Why do goats have trouble making friends? Because they're always butting heads. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth, and yay, I finally have my voice back. And I am so thrilled. I'm doing a double celebration because the countdown has officially begun. Only seven weeks until the due date. The due date is 11-11-22, which is a really fun and cool and easy to remember due date. We'll see if the baby actually comes on that day, but that's the tentative timeline. There is a lot going on in my world, especially over the last two weeks. The biggest one being we are getting geared up for chickens. We are getting chickens, which is very exciting. That's what every pregnant woman should do who's seven weeks out from the due date. Get chickens. <laughs> I say that with complete sarcasm, but what ended up happening was my sister's neighbor ended up with two rehomed hens. So somebody somewhere bought two chickens, bought two baby chicks back at Easter time. So at this point they're five months old and they have now realized that they can't take care of them. So they're trying to rehome them. Somehow my name got thrown in the mix and I said, yeah, we want to do chickens in the future. We were thinking maybe this spring, we got to get a chicken coop set up. We got to learn about chickens. We're going to do meat birds because you only have to keep them alive for eight weeks. And they said, well, we've got these two egg-laying hens. They're not laying eggs yet because they're only five months. They're more like teenagers. Would you take them? Well, we don't have a chicken coop. Oh, hey, by the way, this tree house that we had literally fell out of the tree the other day because it's been there for a long time and her kids are all grown up and there are four teenagers hanging out in there which definitely exceeded the weight limit. And that's what ended up causing it to come down. Everybody's fine. They heard the crack. They all got out. And it was a few days later before the treehouse fell down. So they have this big treehouse that they offered to put on a trailer and take to our house, because we're eight miles down the road, to give us this treehouse that we can put on the ground and convert into a chicken coop. Oh, also, by the way, we have a heater and we have cages. We'll get you feed and supplement. And we can even get you a little baby rooster because you need the rooster to be their protectors. And so we're just very grateful and overwhelmed and we're like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Like if you're willing to give us all this stuff for free, it would almost be silly not to do this. Minus the fact that I'm seven weeks pregnant and trying to pull this off. <laughs> so the treehouse is getting converted to a chicken coop right now. And the chickens will be delivered in three days. In three days, we're going to have two egg laying hens and a little baby rooster. We are very excited and Definitely crunched on time getting the chicken coop finalized and we need to get a fence for it as well. That's the other thing that we have to do. And then we're just going to kind of wing it and become chicken farmers apparently. <laughs> Another big thing that we've been waiting a long time for is our geothermal system. The loop is getting installed in two weeks. So one company is coming to basically dig up our yard to install this loop. That's happening in two weeks. And then a couple weeks after that, then the other company will come and install the equipment and connect it to the loop. So we are very excited because we started this process back in April, May. So it's been quite some time, a lot of waiting, a lot of delays, but we are 
finally going to be getting the geothermal system set up in our house. We are very, very excited for this. The other thing I wanted to update everybody on, our big beautiful pear tree that had all these pears, and then the storm came and knocked a lot of them down, and then I was delayed <laughs> in getting out there and picking some of the pears that were left. All of a sudden it was Wednesday, and I was like, I need to, the storm came through on a Sunday night, and on Wednesday I was like, I really need to pick these pears. So I went out there and I was like, yeah, these pears are perfect, I need to pick them. And I was like, well, it's Wednesday. And now that I live in Lafayette, Indiana, I have to commute to work Thursday, Friday. So like if I pick all these pears, I'm not going to be able to process them or do anything with them until the weekend. So I did not pick them. I left them on the tree. All of a sudden the weekend came and went and it was Monday. And I thought, oh shoot, I forgot about the pears. Let me go pick some pears. And I went out there and a lot of them were rotten, like hanging on the tree, half rotten. Mostly because I didn't do anything. <laughs> like, I missed my window, but I also didn't spray them with anything. So I don't know if they were diseased or a fungus or I just totally missed my window. I guess I was thinking I was going to have a lot more time. I didn't realize how critical three, four days time frame would be. So that kind of stinks. I was out there for about an hour thumbing through the pears. The problem is when you have a bunch of pears laying on the ground, because the storm knocked a bunch on the ground and then I left them there, they get infested with bees and yellow jackets. So now I'm out there trying to pick pears off of the tree while avoiding the pears on the ground that have swarms of bees and yellow jackets. And I am aware that bees are most active in the morning, so you should go out in the evening when they've all returned to the hive. That is what I did. I went out there at seven o'clock at night and the sun was setting. I had to have a flashlight. I got clobbered by mosquitoes and there were still bees and yellow jackets all over the place. So that little bit of advice did not work for me. After being out there for an hour, I gave up. I came in with the eight good pears that I was able to find on that tree <laughs> and decided, hey, I really need to process these. The problem is the recipes that I picked, like pear jam, required them to soak in sugar. You have to peel them and cut them up and soak them in sugar for 12 hours before you can even start the process of turning them into jam. That was gonna take way too long. I had too many other things that I had to do. So then the next recipe that I picked out was pear butter, which is like apple butter, but with pears. Again, it was gonna be a 10 hour process in a crock pot and it's noon. It's currently noon and I'm trying to figure this out on my lunch break, how I'm gonna process these pears. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's gonna take 10 hours. And that's when the pear butter is done. And then I'm gonna to have to can it if I want to preserve it. So I'm gonna be up till midnight doing this. That is also not a good plan. Recipe number three was pear muffins, like apple muffins, that I could do during my lunch break. I was able to process the pears. By the way, here's the tip that somebody gave me that was amazing. If you have an apple peeler, like an apple peeling device, one that attaches to your table and you literally stab the apple on and you spin it, and it spins the apple through this little device that peels it and decores it, you can put pears on that. And that's how I process these pears. And that's how I discovered that of my eight good pears, most of them were rotten in the middle. So that really sucked. <laughs> but the apple peeler decor kitchen gadget is definitely the way to go to process good pears if you have good pears. So I was only able to make a small batch of pear muffins out of all of that work. But they were delicious and my kids really enjoyed them. That part was rewarding. After all of this effort, I talked to my mom and dad and I complained about all of the issues that I had with my pear tree and pears and processing and everything. And so what did my mom and dad do? The following weekend, they came to the rescue. They came and visited us. 
because my dad has a pear tree and his pears were good and they brought me more pears, good pears, that I was then able to plane out and process and I made pear jelly with them and that is super tasty. In the last episode, I also told you about my apple tree that I was very excited about, that the storm knocked down most of the apples. There weren't very many apples left because a lot of them had fallen from, I'm guessing, disease or something. And the few that were on there that were good were knocked down by the storm. There were literally like eight apples left. And I thought, okay, I'll go out there tomorrow and I will pick the apples during my lunch break. <laughs> and I went out there the next day and there was literally one apple left in the tree. I thought, what? What the heck happened to all of my apples? So talking to other people, they're like, oh yeah, if you don't get them, squirrels get them and mice will get them. And I didn't realize mice would be an issue with fruit trees, but apparently mice are a really big issue in fruit trees. I'm like, because I don't, I don't think we have a big squirrel problem. I don't really recall seeing very many squirrels in our property at all, in our yard, around the tree, nothing. Like, yeah, mice, mice are good. Our house is surrounded by cornfields. So field mice are definitely a plenty and they probably decimated what was left of my apples. So absolutely nothing was made from apples this year, but I will try again next year. And this past weekend, we also smoked a pulled pork shoulder, an 11 pound pulled pork shoulder, because we're a family of four who apparently cannot plan very well at all. <laughs> so we had a lot of meat left over and I was trying to figure out what to do with it because we're trying to eat it all up and we're getting awfully tired with pulled pork. I understand there's a lot of different things you can do, but after a while you're just like kind of burnt out on it. And I was like, we're gonna run out of time. Like you've got seven days with leftovers. I'm like, we're gonna run out of time. What can I do with this? So I bought a pressure canner on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Literally two days ago, I bought this pressure canner on Facebook Marketplace because I saw that you can can meat on one of my canning groups on Facebook. Now it takes a long time. If you do a water bath canner, which is what I've been doing, it's three hours for meat, which takes a long time. But you can do a pressure cooker, or a pressure canner, I should say, and it's only 90 minutes. So I thought, hey, let's do that, because the pressure canning process speeds up all of canning, which I'm very attracted to, because the water bath does take a long time. So I went and got the pressure canner. And since I got it off of Facebook Marketplace, it did not come with instructions. So I hunted on YouTube and I found a series titled Pressure Canning 101. And that seemed amazing. I got a Presto canner, that's the brand, and that's what this whole canning series was about. Here's the problem with the canning series that I found on YouTube. I could only find videos one and three. I have no idea where video two is. Couldn't figure it out. <laughs> So I went ahead and canned up burritos in a jar anyways, only understanding two thirds of the knowledge of how to use a pressure canner. But burritos in a jar is a really awesome recipe that I saw in the canning group. You put dried pinto beans at the bottom of the jar, followed by a layer of dried rice, then chopped up fresh onion, bell pepper, then you put the meat in there, diced tomatoes, taco seasoning, fill it up with broth, which is so great because a lot of this stuff I already had on hand. The only thing I had to go buy was the dried pinto beans and the dried rice. <laughs> but everything else I already had coming out of my garden or I already had in my cupboards. That was all I had to buy. Filled it up with the broth, which I had plenty of because I save all of our vegetable scraps and I make tons of our own homemade stock. And that's what I use was the vegetable stock. Filled it up, put the lid on, put it in the pressure canner and hit the go button. Turned on the stove 
waited 45 minutes for it to build the proper pressure, then it had to sit there for 90 minutes and cook for the 90 minute time frame, and then you naturally let it release on the pressure, which is another 45 minutes I found out. So the water bath process was three hours and this was supposed to be faster. This one took four and a half hours from start to finish. And out of the five quart size jars of this burrito in a jar that I did, not one of them sealed. So now they're all in the deep freezer. <laughs> and I learned a lot of very valuable lessons in the world of pressure canning. <laughs> once, once you make the mistake, it's a lot easier to figure out what went wrong and what to do for the next time around. So then the next day I did end up canning, pressure canning homemade spaghetti sauce. And that actually turned out just fine because I had learned my lessons. There's always a learning curve with a new piece of kitchen equipment, but I think I got it. I'm not a master. But out of two runs, I got a 50% success rate. I'm going to call that a win. A long time ago, or I guess I should say over the past few months, I've been talking about the compost program that we've been starting up at work. And we have six different cafeteria locations. We started the very first one back in March. It was deemed successful. And then we started the process of getting the composting program up and running at the other locations. So at this point in time, we actually have compost programs up and running at four out of the six locations, which is really awesome. That is super exciting, very rewarding. And I'm really glad I got to bring that to my workplace environment to bring sustainability into it and to bring composting in it. Right now, we're currently in the process of getting number five set up, and then hopefully we can have number six done within the next month or so after that. So I'm very, very happy to share that news. And I have one more major work announcement that I want to share with everybody. I got a promotion at work. I went from the wellness, safety, and sustainability champion to project manager, and that was part of when I moved to Lafayette and I needed a work from home job three days a week and then I would commute two days a week. So my boss was gracious enough to give me this project manager title, which I've been doing for the last few months. And as the project manager, I was helping our HR person with a lot of her projects. That Those were the projects that I was doing. I was taking stuff off of her plate because she was very overwhelmed. We were down a few positions. So she was working like three positions. So I was helping her with all those projects. Well, the HR person has now transitioned into the finance role, leaving the HR position open. And since that has opened up and I've been working on a lot of HR projects, naturally I was able to slide into the HR role, which is really cool. So now I'm the new HR person, which means for the last couple of weeks, my days have been completely jam-packed with trainings and new projects coming in while I am trying to tie up my old projects with a pretty little bow. <laughs> Most days I'm working through lunch, making it really hard to work on the next podcast episode, but just bear with me. I'm still getting there. I'm getting it done. <laughs> it's just uh, not on my terms anymore. It's just a little bit here and a little bit there. It's a little hodgepodge, but I'm, I'm getting it figured out. It's a new routine, but I will get established once again. And I did hint at it last week when I didn't have a voice, so hopefully you were able to hear and understand that last week I wanted to talk about goats and why they're so awesome and sustainable, but I didn't have a voice, so I postponed it to this episode. And that's what I want to do now, is talk to you about cute, cuddly, adorable little goats. 
A few years ago, I helped volunteer at a church down in Tampa, Florida when we used to live there, and it was for their Easter springtime festival. And as part of that, they had a petting zoo, including little baby goats. And that is pretty much where I hung out for most of the day, playing with the baby goats. I got to hold them and cuddle with them. They are super adorable. And ever since then, I've always wanted a goat. <laughs> and that's mostly because it was tiny and friendly and adorable. And since then, I did not get a goat. Instead, we got cats and kids. We already had the dogs at that point in time. And now we're at a point where our family is more sustainably focused and we have land and the goat conversation is coming up more and more often. Therefore, I'm looking into getting goats, but of course I have to get my husband on board first. And the best way to do that is to point out how goats would be beneficial to him. <laughs> to put together this episode, my main source of information came from Mark Warnke, also known as The Goat Guy of patgoats.com. If you want to live the sustainable lifestyle or the self-sufficient lifestyle, goats really are a necessity more so than pets or any other farm animals like chickens. Look, I love pets. I'm not knocking on pets, but most pets give you joy and companionship, but do not really give back in a sustainable manner. And that's what we're talking about here and now. The energy exchange. How much energy do you put in to your pet or farm animal compared to what you get back for your efforts? Do your pets give back? Yeah, they can. Working dogs who have a job to do can definitely give back. Not my dog. <laughs> He's supposed to be a guard dog. But the one time that we needed him to be a guard dog, he was too busy begging for my husband's sandwich when we had somebody walk into our garage while we were home and help themselves to a few items. Now, this was a few years ago. But yes, we were outside in the garage. We literally went inside to make sandwiches for lunch. And the dog was so up our butts wanting our sandwiches and begging that we finished lunch and we went back out to the garage and noticed a lot of things were suddenly missing <laughs> and somebody had come in and taken those items and our dog failed failed at his job as a guard dog don't worry we still have ruger we still love him but he definitely got fired from that position and now we have security cameras all over the place taking a look at the other pretty common household pet cats cats can keep mice out of the house but both cats and dogs require a lot of work for very little in return. Now I'm being very general here and I'm definitely skipping over all the other standard household pets like fish and gerbils and whatnot. But, but my point is that yes, the dogs and cats are loving and adorable, but in terms of sustainability or giving back, there's not, not that much when compared to what a goat can offer. Now, in terms of goats, you as the owner will need to protect them and feed them, nurture them, provide an environment for them to live in and be grateful for them, just like your other pets. But they will return the favor in terms of service. Globally, we are the only country in the world who has forgotten the value of a goat. The rest of the world is reliant on goats for milk, meat, and packing or carrying heavy loads while traveling. Here in the US, we lean a lot on cows for milk and meat by comparison, and then pretty much pickup trucks for hauling items. <laughs> but let's go through a quick list of why you should own a goat. Reason number one, why goats should be owned over any other animal. 
and that is companionship. They are a very loving pet. They love you. You can interact with them lovingly. If housed correctly, they're not going to chew up your stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Ruger, the dog who eats windows and washing machines and doors and couches and carpets and, <laughs> and everything else. <laughs> Goats also have their own personalities, more so than you would think. So if you're wanting a personality kind of like a dog that's happy and playful, goats are very similar in that manner. They are very playful and fun. And the babies, the little goat babies, the kids, they are loving and adorable as well. Reason number two, goats are a resource. Milk. Their milk is very nutritious, more than cow's milk. Other countries create baby formula with goat milk because it's the closest in the nutrition profile to human milk. Goat milk is one of the only foods that you can live off of for years as your only food source. You can live straight off of goat milk and still meet all of your nutritional needs. It can be your sole food source and you would still be healthy. It has a perfect balance of fat, protein, and nutrients. It's not just ideal for human babies, but also adults human too. I'm not saying that you must live only off of goat's milk all year round, but I'm just saying if you're in a crisis situation, as long as you got a goat, you're good to go on a food source. Personally, I have not tried goat's milk. I have been told that it's very different and the flavor definitely takes some getting used to. I am very intrigued to try it and tell you about it. I just haven't had the opportunity, but once I do, I will definitely try it. Now, if you have tried goat's milk and you want to share your experience, please do so. You can do that on our Facebook group, Starting Sustainability. That's probably the best way to do it, to get reach out and share your experience. I'm really curious. I'd really like it if people would share their experiences on what goat milk tastes like. Reason number three is meat. You can also raise them for meat. They grow quickly. In comparison, pound for pound, the fastest growing farm animal is the pig. Goats are really close in comparison. They're gaining up on that quickly with breeding practices and getting the genetics right. So goats are getting up there. What's really cool about goats is that they will graze naturally for their feed. You can also go buy feed for them, but they're also able to just graze naturally and, and feed themselves very well. They are a great protein source and an enjoyable animal to raise in that process. I think that would be really tough for me to raise an animal and then butcher it, especially a cute, adorable little goat. I'm just going to go for the milk aspect, but you can raise them for meat is what I'm saying. I did try goat meat from the farmer's market a few years ago, and what I remember was it was expensive and it tasted like a barnyard. <laughs> did not have a good flavor. Now, I don't know how that particular goat was raised or what the environment was that it was raised in, that it was housed in what feed it was consuming, the age of the goat, because these are all a part of the many factors that can affect the taste, but I would be willing to try it again. And you might be thinking, but Kaylin, I can raise a cow and get so much more meat. Yes, you can. I don't doubt it. However, raising a cow will take a lot of space, land, and think of a cow patty. That's their poop. It's pretty gigantic. <laughs> it's huge and stinky and you have to deal with that. Most homes in America can accommodate two goats in their backyard. The goats would be for milk, and then you can also butcher them for meat later on. And it would be a very sustainable, low environmental impact animal that you can feed your family with. Yes, HOAs are a pain in the rear. <laughs> Many HOAs will allow three barking dogs with their stinky poo in the backyard, 
but not two little dairy goats that will suffice a family. And that's a shame. Now, I'm not saying that goat poo smells like roses, but it's nothing compared to dog poop. You know when you stepped in dog poop. In fact, if your neighbors don't pick up after their three dogs and you walk outside, you'll smell it that they haven't picked up in their yard for a while. Goat poop itself will return to the earth very quickly. It's tiny little pebbles and it returns quickly. What is crazy to me is to think that chickens are allowed. A lot of HOAs will allow chickens in the backyard, which is awesome. That is a great first step. But if we really want to become more self-sufficient and self-sustainable, then goats also need to be allowed in the backyard. By the way, you can take goats for a walk. Like I said, their poop becomes natural, so you don't even have to worry about the poopy bags. <laughs> and they forage naturally, and they don't overgraze. Their eco-footprint is very, very little. Reason number four, goats are packers. Even the little tiny Nigerian dwarf goats can carry 25% of their body weight. And they carry it well and effectively, and they are easily trained to do it. They are happy to carry packs. They are a working animal by nature, and they love it. They even wag their tails when you put packs on them. If you're into hiking on trails, backpacking, long hunting trips, this is the part that piqued my husband's interest, <laughs> then goats can carry your food, water, equipment, and even the meat of the animal that you've hunted. Pack goats are great for spending time in the backcountry. If you're a hunter, you know that when you hunt a deer, elk, any animal, that meat is heavy to carry. And if you get pack goats, they can haul 50 to 75 pounds per goat. If you have a goat that has been raised in the barnyard, never left, and you take it straight out into the back country, they instinctively know which plants they can and cannot eat and when and where to drink water. What's really fascinating to me is that their water needs are very low. They come into a close comparison of the camel. They really don't need water all that often. That means you don't have to haul special food and water like you would for hunting dogs or other animals that you would take on a long trip like llamas or horses. If you spend a lot of time in the backcountry, you know that the higher you go up in the mountain, the less water that there is. And when you have to carry water, it's heavy. So if you have goats to haul it for you, that's a pretty awesome thing. <laughs> As a stock animal, Goats do not have to be led. You can just go for a walk or go for a hike and they're gonna follow you. You don't have to hold on to a lead rope. Let's look at some other animals like llamas. First of all, llamas have attitudes if they let you touch them. <laughs> but most of the time, they're not that friendly. They are very expensive. They do not produce milk and you have to put a rope on, like you have to attach a lead to them and you have to drag their butts around everywhere you want to go and they're gonna be resistant. Horses are very expensive and they have what we call a massive blow up button. They hurt people all the time, making it a very dangerous animal to be in the back country with. The big plus with a horse is that it can carry you. <laughs> with goats, you're stuck walking, but the horse could carry you. However, a horse is gonna run you about four to five grand, and a good goat is gonna be about four to five hundred dollars. The saddles, the gear, panniers, and the food are all much less expensive for a goat than they are compared to a horse. Goats are definitely the more affordable choice and the least harmful choice, and they will make milk for you. They are great companions. Yes, horses are great companions too. However, when scared, a horse is going to run the other directions. That means if a thunderstorm happens, like you just get like a 
like a clap of thunder, the horse is running the wrong direction, <laughs> running away from you. And now you got to run on foot and go chase your horse. When goats get scared, they run towards you. They will actually gather around you, which is really nice. <laughs> you don't have to go hunt them down. <laughs> not hunting, but you don't have to go collect them and gather them. Goats are not just a solution for hunting trips. I highlighted on that because that's the part that got my husband to listen. But if you just want to go on a backpacking trip, but maybe you can't carry the weight of the pack, or if you have kids who can't carry the weight of the pack, then goats are a pretty darn good solution. And the last reason to own a goat is because if you own a goat, it's going to help spread the word about goats. Goats are a general resource animal that gives more than it takes on all different levels. If we have goats, we can then show other people how great and amazing they are and how they help us live a sustainable lifestyle. Goats offer a higher reward to maintenance ratio than just about any other animal that people keep as pets. Getting goats in the future is definitely on our radar, but first we have to figure out chickens because that opportunity fell into our laps. But goats are coming in the future. First is chickens, then geothermal, then a minivan and a baby, Christmas holidays, and then who knows what else. But eventually we're going to be getting goats. It's happening. <laughs> I'm making sure this happens. I'm very excited for goats. If you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, I have goats or I know somebody who has goats. And if you have good resources, that's what I would like. I would like to find, I would like for you to submit good resources and stories about raising goats. Share your experiences. Go to the Facebook group, Starting Sustainability, and share your stories. Share the resources. Help me <laughs> learn about goats. Help all of us learn about goats. Learning about goats is still fun, even if you might not want them right now or not be able to have them in your backyard. But at least just learn about them and, and understand how amazing of an animal goats are. And now it's time for the weekly challenge. We only have a few of these left. Let me open up my box here and draw a card. It says, switch off your lights and make use of natural lighting. Well, that's a pretty simple one. Everybody can do that. No cost, very little effort, and saves your electricity bill. The problem is that now we are into fall and slowly getting towards winter, which means we're getting less and less daylight. So take advantage of the natural lighting all while you can. The next episode is going to be released on October 3rd. Ooh, October, my favorite month of the year because I love Halloween and I'm so excited because I'm now on my third pregnancy and I finally have a belly for Halloween so I can have a really cool maternity Halloween costume. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I got to start planning that out, but I am super excited. <laughs> so until then, Sustain a Nation, continue saving the world, and I will talk to you all again on October 3rd. Have a great one. Bye. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? Then Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org.